This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to be joined by a remarkable CEO, Mary Mannix. Mary's the CEO of Augusta Health in Virginia, and she's going to tell us what they're seeing today with competition, with COVID-19, with staff, and a lot more. Mary, I'm always curious to hear, because in different parts of the country, it's always the different spots what's going on with COVID. Why don't we start by telling us what you're seeing with COVID-19 currently? Well, we have um, been in a very significant surge in our region of the Commonwealth of Virginia, where we've had an incredibly high testing positivity rate. Um, it peaked at 31% and a prevalence rate, obviously, to accompany that. And we had a very significant inpatient surge um, that occurred last month. And we are now, we, we have peaked and we are now in a very protracted plateau um, with positivity rates still north of 20%. So uh, we have a lower community vaccination rate. Um, it's right around 58%. We have a mass vaccination clinic that we started um, the day that we received our first uh, dosages of vaccine. And in our primary service area, which is a population of about 120,000, we partnered with our health district to um, provide vaccines. But we, because of our size and scale versus the size of our health district, uh, we, we took the lead on vaccination for the community. So we've provided over 90,000 vaccinations. Of course, now we're doing boosters. We hope to be doing ages five uh, through 12 when uh, hopefully the um, EUA comes through with the FDA, uh, but um, it's been a very significant surge in this area that has really saturated uh, our healthcare system. And, and take a moment, you had mentioned the 58% vaccination rate, and that's low, but it's not horribly low. I mean, give us a sense of, I mean, someplace in the Northeast states are up to 70 or 80 of eligible people, but in 58% is pretty, that's not, that's a, I mean, it's low because we want everybody vaccinated, but how do you judge that against other areas and so forth? We were on the phone earlier today with somebody whose vaccination rate in the community is 40% or 45%. I mean, so what's your sense of that? Well, I do agree with you. Uh, you're going to see variation, obviously, in uh, rural areas, and we're in a semi-rural area. But um, I think a, a most appropriate benchmark is what does it take for herd immunity? And that's the only way we're going to get uh, the pandemic under control when we reach herd immunity. And the data science tells us that herd immunity is um, probably nothing less than 75%. And then you have the Delta variant. And some of the literature says the Delta variant is going to require a higher level of herd immunity, especially when you look at um, what we call breakthrough infections, people who are fully vaccinated, um, but with the Delta variant and due to their age or comorbid conditions, still uh, become infected and uh, can require hospitalization. So we're seeing about 15% uh, of our inpatient hospitalizations are breakthrough infections of fully vaccinated uh, members of our community, and the 85% are unvaccinated. But the, the, um, the relativity factor in my mind is not to compare yourself as being better than a lower vaccination rate, but to look at what does it take to achieve herd immunity so that these variants stop evolving and we can get ahead of the curve. Well, and that's a great point, that the real goal is we got to get to 75, 80% to have the impact we want to have throughout the country and hopefully stop the constant recurrence of these different surges. 
Um, and, and, and I think that's a great perspective on it. Mary, talk to us a little bit about staff and how staff is doing through this. Yes, you've gotten through this latest surge, but it's plateaued. I mean, so it's not going down to where you'd like it to go down to. Are staff resilient? Are they exhausted? Are they anxious about what's going to happen this winter? What, what's your sense of the, the, what you're hearing from the staff and your sense of how they're feeling? Uh, all of the above, Scott. So um, each week I, uh, I round um, throughout our, um, our healthcare system. And in particular with these surges, I've been focusing on the inpatient areas. And I'm going to be honest and tell you that this has been the most challenging time of my career. And I've been in healthcare now for 39 years uh, as it relates to the complexity of issues around workforce supply, the shortage, uh, workforce development, and then layering on the political landscape uh, that is associated with vaccinations, which is amplified by social media, uh, and um, you know issues like vaccine requirement. And then there's other things. Healthcare workers, um, uh, you know, seeing many of their peers leave to work for uh, travelers uh, that are hiring nurses at um, at these you know rates that are, are unprecedented from a market perspective that are now in the realm of physician compensation. I think that's very dispiriting. Um, uh, you know, about in terms of my particular um, team that I work with. They have been so incredibly resilient and so incredibly positive, and the spirit of teamwork has been affirming. But we are now um, 20 months plus into this, and it is exhausting. And this issue of compassion fatigue and resilience is real. And uh, uh, it's since this last surge that we have seen a significant increase in our turnover and nurses leaving us to go and work for travelers' companies. So these all become, quite frankly, very dispiriting issues. And then you have the baby boomer nurses who are on the precipice of retirement, maybe not uh, at the actual point of retirement, but ask themselves the question, is this the way that I want to wrap up my career? And if I'm financially able, um, maybe I want to just go ahead and retire now. Or those who are saying, this is not sustainable. I need to begin to think about what my plan B is and working in an alternative setting. Let me ask you this question. You had mentioned that 15% of the people are breakthrough infections in the hospital, which means, and this will tie in your compassion fatigue, the issue of compassion fatigue, 85% of the people that are unvaccinated is, that are in the hospital or something like that. And I might have, but, but disproportionately unvaccinated people um, in a community where the majority of people are vaccinated. How do you deal with compassion fatigue, empathy fatigue in that situation? I, I know that mostly people that are not getting vaccinated, they've got all kinds of thoughts around it. They're, I would say, 99% not bad people just have a different thought on this and, and trying to get through to them. Look, here's the stats, get vaccinated. How, how do you try and stick to that avoiding that compassion fatigue when, you know, you have people coming in that are unvaccinated, they, they have good reasons in their own minds why they're, not unvac why they're unvaccinated. You mentioned social media, politicians playing into it in their own way. How do you sort of maintain that empathy and compassion for those people when the nurses that are taking care of these people are then at harm themselves because 
someone's chosen not to get vaccinated, how do they maintain that compassion fatigue? It's, it's or avoid compassion fatigue. Yeah, it's it's becoming more and more difficult, Scott. In in all candor, so our professional uh, code of ethics and our professional practice acts, um, you know, we all we all commit to unconditional acceptance, um, non-judgmental care. Um, and uh, those are really important components of our professional practice. We take care of all patients, regardless of their ability to pay. We don't pass judgment, um, and we accept unconditionally. That does get harder over a period of time when you are making a tremendous amount of personal sacrifice, and that is what our healthcare workers are doing right now. They're putting themselves at risk. Every day they take care of COVID patients, and we have plenty of PPE We've got, you know, a good supply of PAPRs. Um, these are very uh, efficacious barriers, um, but nevertheless, there's still risk in taking care of COVID-positive patients. Um, our healthcare workers uh, are working um, additional overtime to help us manage the surge. This is time away from their families, uh, time away from the other dimensions of their life. Um, and many of our uh, employees, because we're a freestanding um, small to mid-sized health system, uh, we've had to reduce our elective schedule dramatically and redeploy the people that work in these areas, areas that they love to work in, that they've chosen to work in, that they find very professionally fulfilling, and they've had to been redeployed to other areas so that we can manage the surge of COVID-19 patients, and that's disruptive. Um, you know, teamwork we, is one of the values of our organization, and the teamwork uh, value typically prevails, but Let's be honest, we're all human beings, and this is very disruptive, um, and nobody, I don't think, ever envisioned that the pandemic would last as long as it has. Now, we look into the future, and we see if these vaccination rates don't accelerate more quickly, we're looking probably at another, what, 12 to 24 months? Your guess is as good as mine, though, of the cycle of surge, and it's going to be very, very difficult uh, for healthcare workers to um, sustain this level of activity. I saw this in the last surge where our nursing ratios in the ICU for a brief period of time, but I'm sure it didn't feel brief to the ICU nurses, uh, were a one to four. I'm, I'm an ex-ICU nurse. You know, the highest ratio is typically one to two. And, uh, you know, I called up our communications folks and I said, hey, listen, we got to run that commercial again about we're doing our part and show them the bed. And we actually changed our messaging and got much more um, assertive in our messaging and said, you know, uh, COVID it doesn't have a political preference. COVID doesn't care whether you're vaccinated or not. Um, that's why COVID is winning and why this bed will be filled by the end of this commercial. And um, I also did a spot uh, with our communications. It was all um, um, sort of extemporaneous where I made a plea to the community and to the business community and to our municipalities to please stand up with Augusta Health and take a leadership role on advocating for vaccines. We're doing our part here and it's not going to be sustainable in the long run. So we must ask you to do your part as well and help us get in front of this pandemic by getting vaccines. You know, when I did that, I, you know, I'm typically a leader that leads with a tremendous amount of optimism and can do, but that was a pretty serious conversation that I had in that video clip. And it was interesting because when I rounded uh, the next two days, so many employees, team members, thanked me for doing that video and for sort of calling a spade a spade. And, 
you know, they they want their their current state of professional practice validated and recognized. And there are days I'm sure that they feel that our entire healthcare system has been hijacked to care for the unvaccinated. And you know what? We have to we have to say that's a legitimate perspective, and we understand why you feel that way, and we have to validate that feeling. Um, now we still have to maintain our professional code of ethics and be non-judgmental and unaccepting. But I think the worst thing you could do is ask people not to feel that way and to sweep that that dynamic under the rug. Well, but that's exactly right, isn't it? I mean, you have to acknowledge that it's a legitimate feeling, and and when people try and hide those feelings or can't express those, then it gets really bad because then then they really do end up they end up hating the patients, quite frankly. So if you, and if you as a leader don't acknowledge, we understand where you're coming from. I get it, and at the same time, we got to we got to take care of our patients. I mean, you you have to acknowledge those real feelings, don't you? Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, we we have also um, deployed um, uh, you know individuals that are our um, counselors and social workers uh, out into our um, our units to be available to um, to our staff who you know just sort of need a moment to vent and to know that that's okay that that's safe uh, and that, that we want you to do that so that we can remain aligned as a team, remain true to our mission and, um, and move forward in taking care of our community in this pandemic. Mary, I wanna thank you. We've got so many other topics to talk about and I, I think we'll do it on, on another podcast and leave the focus of this really on COVID-19 and what you're seeing with stamp, what you're seeing currently. I obviously wanna to talk to you again about competition and how do you deal with sort of the core business of operating a hospital and a health system while dealing with these huge public health disruptions that you know take up so much of the time of, of your your team and your system now let's talk about that next time but what a pleasure to hear your voice and hear your thoughts on what you're seeing and, and the leadership perspective on it I mean good that you're up to 50 percent I couldn't agree with you more that getting to somebody of 80% is the, is the immediate goal, but c- continued good luck there and, and good luck to your staff and team. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate it.